0: Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. I'm so excited that you've chose to join us this Memorial Day weekend. It's so great to, to be together, whether you're joining us online in one of those online venues or you're here in the, the building today, it's so, so fun to be together. I, I just got to stop and thank Hank for that incredible video. Of just yeah, right) pretty awesome to, to share that story that's been so hard for them, but to remind us that Memorial Day is, is so much more than just a three-day weekend when you have a barbecue. There's so much more to it, so I really appreciate him reminding us of all of that. If you're following along in your Bibles, we're going to be in John 6. As you can see, we're jumping into a, a new series called Believe, and and this is really, like it said on the video, uh, centered around John 6, 28 and 29, and it's a beautiful little scripture where the disciples are asking a question of Jesus, and I think, I think you really, I think it's a question we ask a lot of, of Jesus also, and it says this, it says, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he is sent. So we're going to be looking for the next few weeks at stories of Jesus' interaction with different people. We've seen some where it's, it's caused a greater belief, but we're going to just be looking more at how he's pushed people and made that priority of belief a big deal as he's, he's kind of speaking to people and encouraging them. Uh, and I wonder, as we jump in the, this, uh, this weekend, have you ever thought about how your belief in Jesus how it really interacts and intertwines with how Jesus meets our needs. It's a weird thing to think about because, because belief and our needs are so so weird, but yet throughout the scriptures we see how Jesus, he, he meets people right where they're at, their unique needs, and then it creates a greater belief. And so we're going to kind of jump into this this series with that kind of thought in mind, with that lens in line in, in, in mind, of thinking of, of how uh, when Jesus meets our need, it should cause us to have greater belief and for me i 'm one of those people that that needs to uh, really really experience something to understand it, and so when i 'm thinking of, of needs, it, it really took me a while to understand because we live in, in this first world country in America and, and really we don't have a lot of major needs that aren't met in our, in our lives. So for me, it took going to a third world country and really experiencing true intense need. And I'd been, to, I'd been to like Canada. I don't call that third world or anything. It's outside the country. But, but going down to Mexico on a, a mission trip with our students about 10 years ago was like a crazy impactful thing for me. And if you haven't been to a third world country, I would really encourage you to really head into one because it will open your eyes to the amount of need that, that we're really talking about. And as Jesus speaks about about need and how how he can meet needs, it, it really enlightens you as as you think about that. So we we headed down to Mexico, and had an awesome trip. and And I can remember remember vividly as as I r- drove into to Mexico and saw the cool the cool shops and stuff. And we're buying churros out the door, and it's kind of fun. And then to to drive into Tijuana and just see the level of of depression and the level of, of the quality of life just drops as you drive through that city. The drug use, the prostitution, just all on display everywhere. And it's crazy to look at how much need there is in that city. And so, so we went down there, and then we went to this nice orphanage where it was pretty nice, and I thought, oh, this is going to be pretty great. We're, we're kind of hanging in this nice area. But then we, we headed back up to Tijuana, and we were told we were going to go serve some of the poorest of the poor people. And I think we experience, we, we, we experience some poor people. We see homelessness, we th- see things like this, but not so in your face as we experienced when I went there. Because as we pulled in, we were kind of warned about the people that were there. We were warned that you got to watch where you step because there's needles and things and you, you can step on something and get pricked. And so you got to be careful. And there sur- surely was needles everywhere. And then as we pulled into this, this area that just had these shacks and these, these just broken down places people were living, we were told this, is, this used to be a dump. And, and these people, when the dump was abandoned, these people decided to just start squatting and building homes on the dump. And so we saw houses with, with just whatever you find in dumps, old tires, cardboard, pallets, all these different things that, that just they were putting together these homes. There's no running water. There's no sewer system. So you can imagine the smell. There's very little power except for what they steal off with these little wires that seem like they're going to just hurt themselves, just hooking up. And we go down into this church that's serving food there, and we get a chance to to make some food. And they say, we're going to serve food to the folks because they're hungry and they need it. And we, and we got an opportunity to hand people food over and over, and they were hungry, and they ate. Some of them came back for seconds and thirds, and whole families with little kids were living in this dump. And, and it just it showed me so much how we, we could be the hands and feet of Jesus. We could be involved in meeting needs in, in communities and that I did not understand what need really was in my, my first world problems life that I was living. Uh, and so I, I think we all understand that there's need out there, but I think it's hard for us to really engage with with what Jesus is talking about, meeting needs, because honestly, most of the needs that we think about are met. Our physical needs are mostly met for most of us. Mostly our emotional needs are met. I think there's definitely been a lot more emotional challenges going on, but our spiritual needs are also a need that Jesus meets us in. So there's all these needs that are evolved, and we want to really unpack that today. So the big idea I want to look at is that God wants he wants so desperately to meet all of our needs. It's a, it's a simple big idea, but I think when you really think about what needs really are versus what our, our 21st century first world issues are, I think I have a lot of wants in life, <laughs> I have a lot of wants versus needs. And so there's a couple scriptures I want you to look at just to to, to get started and to wet your whistle a little bit about this idea. Paul talks about this in Philippians 4.19, and he says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And that's a beautiful picture of how Jesus wants to supply all all of our needs. Hear that word, all of our needs. But, but it's not our wants. If you look at that second scripture, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We've, probably a lot of us have heard that scripture, but we haven't thought through like, what it really means. Really, it's an image of, of God being our shepherd, and the shepherd to his sheep, he, he, he takes care of all the needs for a sheep, and so, so he takes care of all our needs, and we shouldn't want for anything, and yet, like I said, in this 21st century, I find myself wanting a lot of things that I think are, are feel like needs. But, but truly, if I'm honest with myself. They're, they're truly just wants. You know, I, I want to wear nice clothes. I want a nice car. I want a nice home. I, w- I want all this stuff. I want. I want Chick Fil A to be open on Sundays. Can anybody agree with me on that? By the way, I, we need that for sure. That's a need. No, that's not a need. I'm just joking. There's all these things that we think are needs, but the, but they're truly wants because we can live without all that stuff. But yet we transplant what we think are needs. For once. And so Jesus, he models this so beautifully in John 6 when we look at how he interacts with some different people in John 6. John 6 is this beautiful picture and just to set up the scene, we've seen a whole bunch of different things Jesus has been doing. We've seen him do some miraculous things. He's turned water to wine. Amazing miracle. He's, he's talked to a Samaritan woman that he wasn't supposed to talk to and, and spoke directly to her needs, to her wants, to her heart. And, and he also, he healed a paralytic that was waiting to jump in the pool. We talked about that one, and he just walked away. He picked up his mat and walked away. And we talked about the confrontation he had with the Pharisees just this this last week, how, how he was all in this big argument about belief. And in all these stories, they center around belief. And it doesn't change as you move into John 6, because... Jesus is still talking about belief because it's a it's a main goal of his. That's why when you look at John 28, 29, that's the work of God, to believe in the one who sent him. And so as we jump into John 6, 1, you find this story in all four Gospels. All, all the biography stories that are written about Jesus all include this story. Some with more detail, some with less. But it's a beautiful story of Jesus meeting needs. And so I want to jump into it. I think the one thing I want you to pay attention to as we read a little bit and then we talk about it is, is what needs are Jesus meeting as, as, he, as he works and talks with the people he's with. So let's jump in and in John 6, 1, we'll read a little bit and then we'll talk about it. So it says this, it says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. So I'm going to stop right there just for a second. I don't want to have 30 points about the whole scripture. So there's a couple things there I think are important to remember. Crowds followed Jesus. All the things he'd been doing, he'd perform miraculous signs, it says, and, and healed the sick. People were hearing about it, and they wanted to touch him. They wanted to talk to him. They wanted to be around him. He had like this, this rock star status. And if you've watched rock stars, there's always people pawing at him, chasing after him. The paparazzis are trying to get photos of them. I, it's hard for me to understand that. I, I don't know if there's any rock stars in here, but maybe if there is, it, it, to understand how people get that way, where, where people are just trying to get a little touch of a person of, of that value. And the closest I can come is, I, I've been involved in Vacation Bible School for a long time, and, and I get to do these crazy skits, and I run up here, and everybody goes, I can't believe that's you. I, it's my alter ego. But, but the crazy thing about it is the music comes on, the lights start flashing, and I run in here, and kids go bonkers. And they start just mobbing me and trying to high five me if I had to get a bouncer to push through the kids because it's so hard. It's crazy. And, and that's not as close as what Jesus, but I, I kind of feel like maybe that's kind of a little bit of a picture of what Jesus is dealing with with these crowds. Notice also in this section, it says that he, he takes a moment, he goes up on a mountainside. And he goes up there not just alone, but he sits down with his disciples. I think that Jesus throughout Scripture, if if you don't catch this, catch this right now, throughout Scripture, he models rest. He models getting away and getting away from these crowds. And sometimes it's with his disciples. Sometimes it's without his disciples. But he models rest and he models community because those are two really valuable things for God's kingdom. And so, so Jesus models that very well for us because it's so important just to him to be refreshed by community and by rest. So, so here that is a, a value that Jesus has as he works into this story. All right, we're going to continue in the story. It says this, it says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he is going to do. Philip answered him, "'It would take more than half a year's wage "'to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite.'" So I'm gonna stop right there. Like I mentioned, the other gospels uh, talk about this story. Some of them have a little bit more detail that kind of fills in some blanks, I think, about the idea of this this food that that he's wanting to provide Uh, because it kind of doesn't make sense. Like usually people on a day trip, they're gonna bring some lunch, Right. Uh, actually some of the other uh, Gospels mention how he was with them all day, healing and caring for them. And it got into the afternoon, and, and people probably hadn't prepared to, to have a lunch or bring food. And so so he shows up and says, man, I got I to take care of these people. So he notices that, that they, they need something. They need to buy food, and he says he asks a question. It's a, it's a peculiar question, I think, because he already knows the the answer, right? Jesus already knows, so he's he's actually like John says, testing Philip. He wants to he wants to test Philip, and and I really believe that testing word really is just a teaching moment. He wants to teach Philip. He wants to teach all the disciples something in this moment. So he asks that question, and, and Philip, of course, bites and says it would take over a half year's wages to feed the amount of people you're talking about. So we're not talking about a small amount like, oh, he's going to double the amount of food. No, this is, this is crazy huge, so huge that, that Philip doubts Jesus can even do it. And this is the, a disciple that, that has walked with him. He's seen those miracles we talked about, and yet he's still questioning like, I don't know, Jesus, I don't know, I'm not sure you can handle this one. You did the other ones, but I'm not sure about this one. And so he's just, he's just doubting the whole thing. The story continues, and we look at another disciple that start, comes to Jesus. He's a little more on it, but not, not much. He says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There is plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. So we see this miracle happen, but before we see it, we see Andrew show up, and you're thinking Andrew's like, I believe in you, Jesus, here's a boy with some fish, and then he kind of doubts Jesus again. So another disciple doubting Jesus, he, he says, but how far will, will this amount go? It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. I, I, I don't know, Jesus. I'm not sure if it's going to work. And I want you to catch the faith of one person in this story that we often overlook, this little boy that brings this meager amount of food to Jesus. He's the only one in this story that I think really has the faith and, and says, Maybe Jesus can use this, maybe this will work. I know it's not very much, but maybe he can use this. He believes that Jesus can do something with it that the disciples don't even believe he can do. He has a belief that these disciples don't even carry at this point. And then we see this incredible miracle happen. As Jesus feeds these, it says 5,000 people, I think as, as we go on here, Five thousand men. Notice, interesting factoid, right? Everybody loves the factoids. Five thousand men, meaning there was women and children, so it could have been ten, fifteen thousand people. Can you imagine, just this miracle happening over and over? And, and you got to believe the the disciples are handing it out, and then they're just shocked as the it just never ends. It just keeps going and going as they keep handing it out to ten or fifteen thousand people. What an incredible miracle they they get to be a part of they get to be included and I, and i love how this this boy it feels like he doesn't have very much but but he's still going to bring it to Jesus and and, and he feels like uh, maybe i'll be needed by Jesus and i think we're called in the same way as this boy is to bring whatever we have to be involved in what Jesus is doing and say i don't have a lot Jesus but but Maybe you can use this. Even if we're embarrassed about what we can bring to Jesus, we're called to show up. We're called to show up, just like I was able to to show up in Mexico. I can remember when we were down there, we got to be a part of another incredible little thing that that Jesus was doing in people. And they said, hey, you're going to go offer free water to people. And all you have to do is walk in front of the water truck and yell, agua gratis. And I, I didn't know Spanish at all, so I, I just tried to copy it. It's horrible, probably butchered. But, but we walked around, and we, and we just yelled, agua gratis. And people would come out with their cups, with their buckets, with whatever. And we were meeting needs. We didn't, I wasn't there. I didn't have anything to offer. I was just there to, to yell, agua gratis. But Jesus said, I'll, I'll use that, and we'll meet people's needs right where they're at. It's so awesome. And the story ends so beautifully. It says, When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So I love this part because it says they all had enough. Jesus met their need, but then notice it says until they were satisfied and there, there was extra. So Jesus met their need and not just met it, he exceeded it. He exceeded it in excess because Jesus is an extravagant gift giver. Hear that. Jesus is an extravagant gift giver. He doesn't just want to meet our needs. He wants to exceed our needs, and he shocks us every time. It's such an awesome thing. Uh, they they tr- gather up all the pieces of, of of uh, food that are left. And notice the 12 baskets. So he's again including all 12 disciples as they, they pick up all of the remaining food. Uh, and I love how they, they're included again in this, this thing that they didn't even know was going to work. Uh, the, the, their belief had to rise as they were included in this incredible miracle. Just like the people that had their physical needs met. I think the imp- more important thing and the deeper need they had was to understand this belief that we're talking about, that the people would believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Notice what they say. They say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. You see, these people grew up hearing about the Messiah to come. Their their father told them that. Their grandfather told them that. The father before them, it had been the promise forever that a Messiah would come and rescue them. And here they are being involved in this miracle, and they're saying, surely Surely this is the person we were promised. Surely this is him. It has to be incredible promise. And and the story ends with Jesus going back up onto the mountainside. It doesn't. This, this you might think, oh, he's going to rest again. He had a hard day and and he fed a lot of people. But really, it talks more about how he's trying to stay away from that idea of becoming the king too early. And so he just escapes them trying to raise him up too early because he knew that his time wasn't yet. He had more to do in God's kingdom. And I love this story. I love this story. And if, if we're honest, if we're honest, it's so hard to, to really relate to, to our needs being met versus us just wanting things. We, we want things so much. But I think what helps me is if I, I look at the, the characters in the story and go, where do I relate in this story? Where do I relate? Because there's a few different characters doing different things. And where does Jesus want us to relate? Because you've got this crowd that's following Jesus. And they're just, they're just following him, hoping something's going to happen. They have some sort of belief. There's, there's something that's drawing them to him because he's been performing miracles. And they're just hoping that they can be a part of what's going on. But they're not even sure what's going to happen. They're just following Jesus blindly. And then you have, you have the, the disciples, his very best friends, the people that had seen all these miracles, seen the unthinkable. And, and they're, they're doubting that Jesus can pull this one off. They're doubting. That. They'd seen the water turn to wine. They'd seen all these different things, but that yet they're doubting Jesus might not be able to pull this one off. We're not sure yet. We're not sure yet. So there's that character. And then there's the little boy that we talked a little bit about. The little boy that that had all the belief that Jesus could do something with his small little gift that he brought to jesus he didn 't know what would happen, but but he had a belief he had a faith that Jesus would show up and I think that 's where Jesus calls us into. He calls us into something that that it 's hard to understand it 's hard to understand how. Little we can be involved, and yet Jesus wants us to be involved so that he can use us and go and meet needs. He wants to meet people's needs, and he wants to include us in meeting people's needs. And we don't have to be embarrassed for what we bring to the table, because he's going to multiply it. He's going to make it so much better than we ever could. And when we, when we feel like we're playing a huge role in what we're bringing, I, th- I think we, we take a little bit away from Jesus and what he really can do with what we bring to the table. There's an incredible scripture that, that I love that helps me with this this whole story and this idea of of uh, really digging into to who who Jesus is and how He wants to meet our needs. It's it's Psalm 37:4, and it's an awesome scripture. It says, "Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." And I think a lot of people read that scripture and they go, well, well, Jesus wants to give me all the desires of my heart. I'm going to ask for all the things I want, all the desires I have. But we miss the beginning of this scripture where it says to take delight in the Lord, to lean into the Lord, to connect into God. And when we do that, he will give us the desires of our heart because our heart becomes his heart. And our needs become his needs as he understands that that what we're designed to be, that that we're designed to be in relationship with him and with the image. We're an image bearer of God designed to be a part of his kingdom. When we understand that because we've leaned into him and we, we take delight in him, we can truly understand that he will give us the desires of our heart. But it's hard. It's so hard as we live in this world where we have most everything we need. We have most everything we want. But I want you to, as we leave today, I want you to think about one thing. I want you to think about if you've been paying attention, if you've been paying attention to what Jesus is doing around you, as he meets needs around us, he does it every day. And I wonder if you're recognizing that that the author of those needs is taking care of stuff as despite us, but that he wants to include us in this incredible experience of, of meeting others' needs and and Him meeting our needs. It's just a matter of us being willing to lean into the belief in Him and the belief like that little boy that He can do something with the very little that we bring to the table. So will you pray with me as we think about what God's teaching us today? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that that you desire uh, to, to, to include us in uh, serving other people's needs and, and actually meeting our needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our, our scriptural needs. You, you have all of that in mind for us and, and uniquely you want to, to meet that with all of us. And so God, I just pray that as you meet that in, in each of us, we'd recognize that. I pray that as you meet that in people around us and use us with our meager things we wanna to bring to the table that, that we would recognize that you're the one doing it. We're, we have no, no play in that other than to be included in what we're bringing to the table. So God, thank you uh, for what you're doing in each of our lives. And God, I would just pray that you would show us more of you as we, we learn about you each and every day. We pray this in your name, amen.